Hello theatre students and welcome to another episode of Showroom Chats, presented to you by myself Andy Roberts and in support with the theatre department at the University of Chichester and the Showroom Theatre. This week I sat down with Bert and Nazi. Bert and Nazi started making work together in 2015 and their work is stripped back and sits somewhere between live art and theatre, but if you held them against a wall they'd probably tell you it's theatre. Throughout this conversation, we concentrated mainly on three projects created by Bert and Nazi. That's Eurohouse, Palmyra, and One. All three of these projects focus on conflict and relationships, be it personal, political, or cultural. All three of the projects allow space for the viewer to place their own meaning and ideals upon the work. I would personally say that each piece of work places its audience member as a participant slash spectator or witness. We are an integral element to the event taking place, and all three shows can be quite challenging and intense. Having had the pleasure of seeing all three of these projects live and being able to programme two of them in the showroom, this trilogy of work has given me what I would say some of the most intense experiences I've sat through in a theatre. We touch briefly in our conversation on their latest project, The End, which we have coming to the showroom in spring, which is a departure from their conflict trilogy, focusing on movement and reflection. We also talked about why they decided to change direction in their work and about what upcoming projects they have. We recorded this conversation on their final day of R&D in Spain. It's the first time that they've been able to get into the space for quite some time and rehearse together. And they were using the office of that theatre venue for our chat. Uh, you will, about halfway through our conversation, hear some people in the background talking, but I do hope that doesn't detract from your enjoyment or experience of our conversation. It was really great getting to sit down with Bert and Nazi, and I hope you enjoy our chat and find something of value in there for your own theatre-making processes. So how did you two so, guys meet then, I suppose? We have a very complicated past. Um, <laughs> no, it was... We were both part of two different companies that were making work in the devised sort of area. Yeah. And they were both companies that we... Uh, um, came out of where we trained with you know so we like we trained in different places but uh and then formed companies and did the whole kind of the rite of passage of when you form a company and go to take a show to edinburgh and this thing we were part of that sort of scene and part of that um kind of institution of like the sort of industry where we work in uh and then but then we met each other at a point where both companies were in that in a, a sort of hiatus uh, point. And uh, we met and got on really well as friends and then uh, kind of when both our companies weren't really moving with thinking about making a new show, we were both in a position where we were like, we want to make a new show, make, a, make, make something. Um, and that's how Eurohouse came about, really. And um, I took a train to Bristol to meet Bert. We like got a, a bit of a space, and then um, uh, yeah, just sit, tried to see what ha what 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 would happen in the space with no real preconception about what it was going to be, with what the dynamic was going to be, with. No and money. No, nothing, no money, nothing, no idea of what was going to happen, really. I remember being on the train and being like, this is, I've never done something like this before. Like, it was like going on a blind date. But, uh, <laughs> but, it, it, but then looking back on that now, it's like, and everything that's happened since then, it's like a bit mad. Okay. So 
I'm interested from that. So you're on that train, you're taking that journey for that first sort of meeting to just sort of, you know, throw some stuff together. How quickly into that process did you two know that this was just working for you guys? And the only reason I say that is because your onstage presence is so natural and so kind of just, you just work together so well and flow so well in that moment. I'm just wondering whether that existed from the start and you were just like, yes, this is just, we've found some, or if you had to work hard to find that. I think, I think our, our relationship was really good from the start. Like we both were very passionate about the same sort of things and on a, on a level with each other, we were really hit off um, in terms of being friends and also feeling annoyed about the same things, not liking the same sorts of theatre, being a bit frustrated in that sort of sense with what we were seeing in theatre in the UK. I think we both felt like a bit annoyed about it and a bit, uh, and, and really excited about the same sorts of theatre. So on that sense, it was really very uh, quick and very easy in terms of that sort of thing. But in terms of the dynamic and the knowing what, what we were doing and knowing what we were finding with like what eventually became like the form that we work in, that wasn't until much later. Right. We were like, we were, we were really, we were really trying to find, we were really confused for a lot of, <laughs> for a lot of the, that first show. Like we were really like, we went. We ended up actually going to Athens to make most of that show in 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 Athens because it ended up being cheaper to like get a flight to Athens uh, than than rehearse in London. Well, uh, I can yeah, because we could stay with my family out there and like um, it was like it was a lot and it was good for us. But I remember during that process we were we were we were finding little segments of like what we thought. Okay, is this is this interesting? Is this good? Is this good? Um, but, but I suppose what really, um, what really made us understand the work and the, and the, and the stuff that we were doing was try, we were inviting some friends in Athens into our rehearsal room, showing it to them, um, getting a response, trying to gauge it as you do it in the room, like trying to feel like, is this, are they hating this? Are they liking this? Like. And so I guess that kind of started to help us understand what we had and understand that dynamic a bit more by really like trying to bring the audience in very early. And has that carried through into your process from now on? Are you, is, is it quite an open rehearsal space in the sense that you're often inviting tr people you trust yeah. into the space to go to share your ideas and to see what's connecting with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a really important part of what how we make work. It's always kind of like inviting people, showing it to them, and seeing what the responses are, what they what they got from it, and even more so now. Like, well, to begin with, it was important for us to understand how we could interact with the audience, how we like. I worked with the audience, how to like improvise with the audience and stuff like this. But now it's more like with the end and maybe this new piece that we're working on is like, it's much more about seeing what they get from it and whether that kind of, there's a similar understanding of like what we're doing on stage is communicating this 
and he's making you feel this uh, and lands in that way. Because there's, I'm from, I mean, just from being an artist and existing in this world, I talk to a lot of artists and, and there's some who are very clear with how when they're making a piece of work, they want the audience to think and feel or they want this moment to sit. And then there's others who just make the work and then allow the audience to decide what they're thinking and feeling. Uh, what yeah, yeah. camp do you think you sit more in or does it change per project? Uh, I think it, it, again, it's like a bit of a journey working with the audiences in the room and like how, what we are, we, what we've understood from it, what's useful and what's not useful as well. Like, cause I think earlier maybe we were quite influenced by what people would say or would think. And, but now we know what to take from it. I think, and what's useful. I think in a way it's maybe a little bit selfish, but for us, it's more useful. It's more useful for us than it is maybe for them. Okay. To come do the work half halfway through. Um, because we just, yeah, it's, it's more like we, we, we know, we have become quite good at knowing when it, uh, when what we're feeling is, is, is right in the room. And when it's just missing something, because I guess like sometimes we invite people we trust, but a lot of the time it's just anyone. Um, so like, so this in the building that we are like, we just go, Oh, we're opening our rehearsal room and come in. So obviously this person coming in might not be into that sort of thing and might not like, this isn't, this is not their thing. You know what I mean? So, which in our case like happens quite a lot, but like, uh, but then it, it, it almost, their opinion of it doesn't sometimes, sometimes it's really helpful, but sometimes it doesn't matter because just by their presence in the room, we feel like that lags, that yeah. doesn't sit, that doesn't, uh, that felt like weird. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of just by having someone in the room watching. And also we thing. change things when people come in. So like we might have like an idea of what we want to do in front of them, but that's going to change because of the audience. We're going to, we're going to try something new a little bit. But I'd say just in terms of the question, in terms of where we sit, I think we probably sit, we probably, we, we try and be really clear with ourselves about what we're trying to achieve in terms of a feeling for like, in terms of what we want people to feel. Yeah. Yeah. From the show. But if they don't feel it, we don't lose sleep about it in a way. Yeah. Like we, we try, we try our best to like, get to that point but as long as we're happy with it and we can justify it to ourselves that these are the right decisions obviously it's a balance you know like if if, we, if we're absolutely missing the mark completely we're not like yeah we're fine with that <laughs> yeah. but uh, but <laughs> but i think i think we yeah like because sometimes we sometimes people see our shows and they're like i this took me here or this took me there and it's not what we intended um which we're quite open about if we didn't intend that, but that's not necessarily wrong for someone no. to go in that, in whatever, in whatever trip they go on. Yeah. 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 Like, I think your shows allow that space anyway for you yeah. to, to, you know, there's, there's some, there is breathing space in all of the work that you've seen um, to allow yeah. an audience member to go on that journey for themselves. But yeah, it is that idea of going you know, those certain moments, those certain things, I go back to that moment of when I first saw Palmyra in uh, Edinburgh and that moment with the debate over the hammer 
um, and throwing the hammer back and that kind of feeling in the room and that kind of debate that the audience was having and going in my head, this is such a unique feeling. This is such a unique debate in this moment over the obscurity of this situation, yet the seriousness in which the audience are taking it. And I just kept thinking in my head, like, is this by design or are you guys just allowing the space for this po moment to possibly exist if it does? Mm. And if it doesn't, eh, it doesn't matter, but giving the space for that to happen. I'll probably sit more. I think I've answered it myself. I think you are allowing the space for that to happen and improvising around that moment if it requires it kind of thing. Yeah. 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 yeah I think cool. that's, that's, that's spot on. Yeah. Jumping back a little bit, just cause I'm quite interested and I think it links in with a question I did send you. Um, so the idea uh, the expression, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Um, I'm just wondering when you were starting off, you mentioned earlier that you had those kind of those meeting points where you both disagreed on the current culture of some theater, but all those, also those meeting points of theater that you really enjoyed. So I suppose it's a bit of a two part question. What theater artists, theater at that time, did you both, did you guys agree on that you really enjoyed? Slash, did any of that influence your early or your starting points or your work? When we were rehearsing in Greece, again, because we were struggling with the, the dynamic going on between us two and what we were supposed to be doing and how, how to approach as well that big question of like the economic crisis in Greece. And we were trying to avoid it being like too didactic and, and just uh, too, too much like verbatim theater or too much like political theater. So we were kind of playing with stuff. And what we found was that kind of like bullying um, dynamic between us two that we thought kind of could reflect really well the kind of what was going on there. And, and then we found a video of uh, Forced Entertainment, uh, Bloody Mess, the beginning, in which is the two clowns, uh, two cl well, two kind of performers who are kind of like clowns, well, they've got their, their faces are painted like clowns. And they, they have this kind of like routine of like putting chairs at the front, putting chairs at the back. And the disagreement is very simple going on between the two. And we thought when we watched this, we were like, that's what, that's what we do. That's what we can do. And that's the kind of like the sort of dynamic is it was really it was really helpful to see that and to kind of go like this is and and also to kind of both look at each other and say like this we love and in ways that it leaves it really open yeah. that disagreement is like it's it's so basic and universal but then at the same time it says so much and applied it to like a political context maybe it can say something as well so then we were like let's 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 go with that let's trust the fact that like maybe the dynamic is enough for people to understand what we want to say maybe the title is enough to understand what it is what this is about like Palmyra is like you we, we we gave people a little bit of an explanation as to what it's about but again like if people went to know again it was going to be about conflict or again it was going to be about war it was going to be about revenge and stuff like this which hopefully like appeals to to everyone and anyone there was that and then there was also the um the thrill of it all we watched a bit of, do you remember that yeah yeah, we yeah watched a bit of like the thrill of it all like which is also a forced entertainment show 
So I think basically forced entertainment is the one nice. that we <laughs> that really you know, like I, kind of showed us that, that we have that thing, you know. That's so strange. When I was in my second year of college, um, we did a small, I, want, I was doing an acting course. Um, but in my second year of college, there was a small devised theatre module, which I fucking loved. And at the end of it, they took us to see Bloody Mess live in Brighton at well, Sussex oh. University. And after that show, I just turned to the guy who ran the device module and said, I want to do stuff like that and only yeah, stuff yeah. like that for the rest of my career. Just their work just seems so much like, so much more fun, so much more risky, so much more, I don't know. And classic at the same time, yeah. like, the, like theatrical, but in, in its best sort of way. Yeah. Like unashamedly so. And that, that we really like as well, that kind of like, yeah, it's just theatrical to see people having a fight and or it is theatrical to see people like running mad on stage and just kind of exhausting themselves to be doing the same routine over and over again. It's funny, it is like really entertaining and it gives you so much because you think, shit, those people in front of us, they're like, they're like, they're going for it. Yeah. And that, that for us is really important as well. This is really live, isn't it? In that kind of like, yeah. it's, you, you're a, what is it? It's the, um, it's an event, isn't it? I suppose you're a spectator in a moment and it's, yeah, it's happening with you in that moment. Yeah. And I see that in your work as well, but looking at the trilogy of work. So, um, you're a house Palmyra and one, uh, what would you say is the biggest challenge for you as artists with those projects? Or is there one in particular you imagine that imagine like one point being quite challenging? I think, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you think, but like, I think one felt like the hardest one to make. Yeah. Because it was like, I think one as a show was, I mean, you're a house in Palmyra. They kind of really a, a, a brother and sister shows in a, in a real sense, you know, that we made them quite close together and, kind of really followed on from each other in a very um in a very organic way i think whereas with one we were i don't know a little bit conscious of not wanting to do the same thing again wanting to try and find a new thing within that form um as well it we took we took longer to make it so we we, we took two years rather than about a year um and also we were whilst making that show, we were also uh, had one foot in the end as well, which is yeah. the, the newest piece that we made. So like kind of halfway through one, we ended up sort of kind of making the end. And so in a weird way, one became this sort of bridge between uh, the sort of overtly political work that we made when we first started to like this more kind of reflective sort of, we would say still political, but it's in a more of a reflective state. And, but there's, there's I think I, we still really loved one in terms of that show, but I think it was, um, it was, a, it was, a, it was probably the toughest nut to crack in that sense, because I think we were, we were really caught in between. It was a real like in between moment of, for us. So, um, and also we feel like, but also it's important that we went through this because I think like we ended up feeling that the form wasn't serving us anymore. 
and that we wanted to take on a different kind of like uh, challenge maybe. And, and there's a, there's a, there's a line in the show where, where like Nasi says, I'm tired. And I think like, I think we were, we were tired of that dynamic maybe as well of like the dynamic is so intense and uh, where like, you know, like it's that scene where like I show my ass and like, and, and then, and then Nasi is in there, like just kind of like not knowing what to do with this and stuff like this. I think at some point also we were like, maybe we just need to, to say something else. Yeah. And I think that's true for the end and that's true for the new one that we're working on. I think it's like, it's just trying to like letting it breathe even more, I think. Yeah, it's the first time I've, uh, I was thinking about it recently. I was actually watching something by a guy called John, Jonathan Richmond, Richmond, who's a, 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 a musician. He released an album called the, the Modern Lovers, like in the 70s. It's a really amazing album. But there's a song on it called uh, Hospital, which is a really beautiful song. But I was watching an interview with him earlier this year in April, and he's like a 66-year-old man now. And he, he wrote that song when he was 19 and he said, like, I can't, uh, I can't bring myself to even sing those, that, those lyrics to sing that song anymore because I'm really just like, I can't have that same energy. And there's a, and it, it, I saw that a couple of weeks ago and it, it really, I mean, it's only been five years since we've made Eurohouse, so it's not really a comparison. I'm not 66 yet, but like, I understood it a little bit more. Whereas in the past, I've always thought like bands that don't sing this, these beautiful songs that they write in the past, I'm like, come on, just sing it. It's a great song. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but <laughs> I guess I kind of understood it a little bit more. Like you feel like just let it live in that moment rather than, you know, being a 66 year old guy, like showing his ass. <laughs> no yeah but you know you're absolutely because right. yeah because uh, uh, things exist in a form at that time don't they they're expression yeah. of the two of you in that moment and how you're reacting and your thoughts and feelings and and those things change constantly don't they it's a bit like kind of whenever you think about like a haircut you had seven years ago and you see a picture yeah. <laughs> at the time you're like that was fucking awesome but you look at it now and you go oh I can't, you know, I just, you don't necessarily hate it, but you're like, that's not me. You know, I could, just couldn't do that right now. And I'm, maybe that's simplifying it a bit, but I think that does, there is something in that, isn't it? That it exists in a moment of that time and to just kind of keep repeating that process. Yeah. After yeah. a while, you'd just get burned out on it, wouldn't you? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, we felt, we felt it in one, like we wanted to make, I think doing that sort of work that we did, that we still do, because we still like, that's still us, like, in our we still want to do those shows. But for that time, we'd been doing them for a while. We did Eurohouse, we did Palmyra, we were making one and, and we just need, like Bert said uh, really well, like, I think we just needed to make something together, be together for a bit because being like that for so long, it was like, it wore us down, I think. Yeah. They must be quite intense rehearsal processes for those three shows, if we think about the conflict within that work. Um, do you improvise as well around that kind of conflict? Or is it more choreographed? Yeah, no, it's imp it's improvised and it's like uh, the conflict, like, yeah, the conflict that was there, like we wanted to explore it and we wanted to see where it was going for us and what, how to push it to an extreme, I think. 
but at some point we i don't know we just thought we didn't need it yeah anymore to to make a point like you know and also maybe like what we were, what we were saying is like how can the work still feel like maybe a little bit political but without feeling like so angry maybe but the, re uh, the rehearsal processes for all of them except for maybe one what wasn't wasn't that intense i think it's it was almost a being on the road a lot with it after a while like we love doing the shows but just i think subconsciously we both felt like in our bodies and in our we were quite tense as well like especially especially after long stints of performing it like sometimes we go on the road for like a month or like a, like a month and a half and do you think yeah but also like the responses of audiences about the work and how it makes them feel and like how it really upsets some people and like how sometimes Hola. Hola, ¿qué tal? Bien. how it makes people feel really kind of like weird uh even about us like you know like the way they interact with us after a show yeah uh, it, that that also feels a bit weird you know okay because i guess in the show we're, we're we're playing like sort of versions of ourselves for us we're like still we're not ourselves but like for people we kind of we are yeah we are and and yeah that that sometimes is a bit difficult and sometimes we needed to kind of like i don't know I, I, we we're very clear and we and i think we're kind of good at kind of being really touch tight with each other and like knowing we know like each other very well so we know what's real what's not real when people talk to you afterwards and they're like oh my god you guys like this after a while then you end up being like i don't know i get it's hard to explain it's yeah it plays it plays on you a little bit yeah it plays on you a little bit okay. not on our relationship but like it plays on your own perception of yourself Self, and yeah. how you're seen. And I think that's a weird, that was a weird, a weird thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. I suppose, especially as if you said, cause it was five years, I suppose, and quite intense amount of touring. Cause you guys sort of, I hate to use the term blew up, but I think you kind of, you know, the voice that you had was quite fresh in the theater world. So I imagine you kind of, it was quite an intense amount of making and touring across a five year period. So I do suppose yeah. that after a while, those little things all add up over time, don't they? And you just start yeah, feeling yeah. a bit like, um, but that's, yeah. you've answered one of our student questions later on. Um, a student who obviously hasn't met you as individuals off stage <laughs> and was wondering at what point um, was pretty positive that you're playing personas of yourselves, um, yeah. but was wondering how heightened they are. Like kind of, do you, do you step quite far away from yourself as an individual on stage? And is it quite a heightened persona or is it just, uh, a theatrical persona which is basically yourself but just turned up a little bit we've said before like it's 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 a, it's definitely there like otherwise you can't you can't start from nothing i think so it's just like recognizing this side of you that's like a little bit evil a little bit horrible a little bit like aggressive aggressive yeah i think i think it's there, it's there yeah i think that yeah that answers the question yeah it's it's there and everyone knows, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And we, we, we bring it 
We bring it. We bring it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just turn it on. <laughs> Just turn it on. Turn it up a little bit. Let it go. I don't. We've sort of skirted around answering this, but maybe there's a succinct way to answer this. I don't know if there is. Yeah. Again, all my questions I don't think are easy. Do you have a formula in which you approach a piece of work? So say some companies might go, um, we do a writing process and then all the individuals in the company come together with what's been written. We throw it up against the wall and we just start improvising and piecing pieces together to see what happens. Um, is there kind of a way that you guys uh, approach a formula? And I have another little add on to that question, which maybe might be interesting. When it comes to a piece of work, does one of you lead and the other follows? Or is it quite organic and you don't you can't really tell who's leading and who's following because it just comes naturally from the two of you um do you want to uh, yeah all right so i think we don't the formulas we don't have a formula the for, only formula is that we get into a space together really yeah um and sometimes we have like some ideas that we've written down like whilst we've been a part of like what uh we've uh, had seen like we take some sometimes take some material into the room um but like, very few very very not, little yeah very not not too much okay. like it's just a sense of where that that piece might be going and what it was what it is going to be about roughly yeah and then and then a lot of it we spend in the room finding it in the room like okay. we kind of really feel like we need that room we need each other we need to watch things together we need to like discuss discover it. it, discuss it all in that room together, get it up on its feet, like immediately together. Yeah. That's kind of, and we film stuff a lot in the room. Like we film ourselves doing stuff. Then we invite people in at some point quite early on. We're, we're not like, we're quite keen on getting people in like early. Um, and also in terms of leading, I think, it's a difficult question because I think we may, may, maybe we lead on different stuff, maybe. Like, maybe, I don't know, huh? because we've never really <laughs> said it to, to each other, but maybe like Nasi leads on the idea, on the kind of like the practical ideas and like, let's do this, let's like, and then maybe I lead more on the kind of like, what is it what is what is it but i'm not sure yeah i think it it really it's it sort of fluctuates yeah it fluctuates. it's not really um we have our like we have what i bring and we have what bert brings yeah i don't think we're super aware of it but it's 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 something like where where we meet is like where the shows are yeah exactly. So. exactly like i have i maybe come with an idea that's yeah. too yeah, yeah. much maybe but Bert levels it out to make it we are. And the same with me. And the same with Yeah. And the same, vice versa. So it's like where we meet is going to be the show. But we're on on two different tangents, but then there's the moments when when we meet or where we find the idea that's like, yes, it is the tone. It is the work. Like this this is us. Like not us as individuals, but us as a duo. That's a really lovely way of putting it. I really like that idea of, yeah, where you both meet, that is where the show exists and not really right. <laughs> in any other moment. I think that's really nice. Yeah, yeah, sure. Can you think over the time that you've been working together, a point that you're most proud of 
And it, that could be an individual thing. So not a shared moment of being, but just a moment of, of pride in what you've either achieved or just being like, oh my God, we're here doing this. I didn't think we'd ever be at this point. Is there just a moment that you're like, oh, I'm really proud of that? <laughs> I mean, I think over lockdown through, through everything and uh, that we've had this year, like it's uh, allowed us and probably everyone time to kind of like slow down a bit. And yeah, we had a uh, recently, but well, recently we, we, we got locked, we were out in Barcelona and we got locked down. Uh, and spent 10 days in isolation in Barcelona. Because I, I tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah. And, I mean, it was tough. But also, it, we had one night where we just drank a lot. And then we were looking at photos about where, where we've been in the past four years, five years. And it was like, yeah, looking back on it for that moment was really it's like fuck we've done a lot and we've 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 not much uh we've gone to a lot of places met met a lot of lovely people and had a bit of a experience and i think we had a moment there of being like yeah we 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 did that and that's 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 quite um yeah we allowed ourselves to be a bit proud and a bit nostalgic about that in that moment i think because also, I, and we didn't have much money, and we didn't have much means, or yeah. means, or yeah. but we still managed to like take it to these different places, like Brazil, Australia, like all these incredible experiences. So. If you could think of a piece of advice for, we've got say our third year students. If we ignore COVID and what it's doing to the industry, <laughs> but just imagine that uh, third years are are leaving, they're off. They've maybe made a piece of work. They're really proud of that piece of work they've made at uni, and they want to get out there what's a piece of advice you would give to them in order to, to make and present work post-university? So how do they get their work out there? Um, do you have any advice in that kind of area? I think um, it's tricky, but I would say uh, on a kind of human level and on a kind of life sort of level, like just keep finding ways to make to, to, to do it and to make and to be able to do what you would like to do so whether that's like signing up to a scratch night or like just pushing it forward keep trying to like stay on that path of like doing doing it and and by whatever means by trying just making it happen and just trust it. it's a process and every part of that journey is valid and some of it will go well, some of it won't go well. But just keep doing, keep trying to do it. Um, if you love it. If you love it. And if you don't, then you'll know, probably. Um, I, think, I think there was a point where in, in our first show, I think in my career I'd made about three, four shows by that point that I weren't too happy with or weren't too like psyched about and I remember feeling when we went into the pro when I went into this process with Bert with Eurohouse I remember thinking I remember saying to a friend like I want to do this because I want to see if I want to do this do you know what I mean I want to see if like there's a point in me doing this or maybe there's not and maybe I need to think about um yeah so just keep at it I reckon mm. and maybe that piece might not be the right piece as well 
that's a year piece yeah might not be the piece that is doing it for them and they just need to try another one yeah okay and it's all part of like learning it's all part of learning yeah thank you guys cool right let's let's go straight on to um quick fire questions but you might not be able to answer them quickly but fuck it let's see what happens um number one euro house where did you get those shoes um we got them from i think sports direct but it was it was it was long it was long trying to find those shoes like we had to find the right ones but they were good they were cheap as well the first ones were good then we got another pair that i don't like as much but they were cheap they were like 25 pounds Oh, nice. But, but, but we got our own laces and put the yellow laces on. Sweet. Was that the biggest costume choice in the whole piece? The, uh, yeah. <laughs> the trainer, like every show, it's just our trainer game that we've got to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got to be cool. strong. <laughs> Did you know you were going to make a trilogy after you finished Euro House? Did you know that you were going to make a kind of trilogy of work? No. Or it just sort of happened organically? Yeah. Yeah. This is a really personal question. Uh, so don't, you don't have to share the answer and I can kind of edit this question out. But how much does it cost to make a Burton Nazi show? One student was wondering, they're going through doing their Arts Council budget. In their third year, oh, right. they have to do a kind, okay. of, a kind of Arts Council budget template. And they, they were like, your work's quite, not bare bones, but it doesn't have, you know, yeah, other yeah. than a shitload of plates. Um, <laughs> it's quite so they were just wondering how much a Burton Nazi show costs to make. Not a lot of money. No, no, go a lot. Paying, paying, paying the artists to make the work. Uh, paying them well. Paying them well. Us well. Us well, <laughs> and then our collaborators well. Yeah, and then the rest is rest we do uh, we do with nothing. So yeah, cool. cheap. You make it last. Yeah, well, you, you have to. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. Just all the overheads of running a company. That's where the rest of it yeah. goes. No, but maybe, if they need a figure, maybe it's like, uh, maybe like the first grant that we put through was maybe about ten thousand pounds, and then and then maybe it went a bit more exponential because we started working with more people, and we wanted to pay ourselves maybe better. So then it kind of like went up to maybe fifteen. But that's that's about it. Uh, what do you pick your politics before you start making, or does the making process inform the politics in the work? Uh, the second, second one. Cool. Do you have a? I think we've already answered this one earlier, but I'll ask it anyway so they don't get upset that I didn't ask their question. <laughs> do you have a clear idea of what the work is going to be about uh, before you get into the space, or does being in that space inform what the work is going to be about? We have a general idea. And then we keep redefining what we mean, remolding it, remolding it. And rather than like making it smaller, I mean, it is making it smaller, but also like expanding on the ideas and being like, but it can be about this, but then it makes me think about this. And then it makes me think about this, like, not like, you know, like how a lot of people say to you, like, just narrow it down. And then you're like, don't. Yeah. Because it's more complex. Everything is more complex. Yeah. It's good to be a bit lost, I think, sometimes with it. Okay. Like very, sometimes if, if it's too defined for us, we get a bit like worried because we're like, if this is too clear, this is not interesting. If it's really difficult and really like messy. Yeah, it's got to be it, difficult. It's like, okay, 
let's back ourselves to kind of find our way out of this mess. Um, yeah, it's got to be hard. A bit, a bit but hard. by doing it simply, yeah. And a final question from the uh, students is what do you have coming up next? So I know you're currently in Spain making a new show. Are you able to talk about that just yet? Or is it you playing, keeping your cards close to your chest in this moment or? Uh, can we talk about it? We can yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have been here for three days uh, and we haven't been in a rehearsal room for about a year, probably. And, um, yeah, we didn't have much of an idea of what we were going to come with or what, what was going to come out of it. But uh, it feels like we're going we're gonna to do a bit of a continuation from the end. So okay. um, still working in the same sort of area as the end was working in, which is like movement and... Movement-based um, work, yeah. Movement-based work. And but, but again, thinking about new, new things we might want to play with. Yeah, thinking about how to take it further, how to how to make it similar but different, and um, but it's a sister piece. It is definitely a sister okay. piece. Yeah, and we've also got a digital project that we've worked on over lockdown, which is sort of like a videography sort of thing that like we've a been, web series, like a, yeah, sort of like a web series, like a sort of video podcast that we're trying to get off the ground for like spring. And yeah, and, and other bits and bobs that we're like trying to just stay creative with. And a short film we've made during lockdown as well. Yeah, we made a short film. It's very like A-level film studies vibes. <laughs> but, uh, but we're really happy with, really yeah, excited about, about putting it out there. It's very funny. We I think mean, it's quite funny. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But oh, man. yeah, keep us up to date on those, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and my final question is, hopefully this is a bit of a fun one, unless you've been super busy. Um, so basically, universities are all a bit weird at the moment. They're like, if one person has to go into isolation, like their whole household has to sort of go into a little mini lockdown. So I thought while I was doing these kind of interviews and stuff, it would be cool to ask each company what they've, anything that they've engaged with culturally, or maybe be it like a band, a piece of music, a, a book, a TV show, a film. Um, just so that we can give students stuff to maybe engage with while they're locked down, losing their minds. Um, so I suppose the question is, have either of you sort of like read anything, seen anything, listened to anything recently that you're like, I, I love that. Your students should listen to that or watch that or, or read that. I've got a lot. I've got a lot. <laughs> I did this with Christopher Bett Bailey. He was the first one. And his lockdown reading list was absolutely ridiculous. And he, and he went through every single book. <laughs> Oh, he's like, like this one and then this one and he was like you read that i was like no he's like you read that i was like no <laughs> it's like my reading list went up shitloads but yeah I, I, I suppose just a couple of picks <laughs> i don't know if mine will be as good as his it's probably a bit more basic than his but like i've got um so i, w I went into a lot of anime when i was um in lockdown which i really really enjoyed uh which like there's an anime called Monster, which is really good. There's an anime called Cowboy Bebop, which is really good. I've seen that um, one. Cowboy Bebop is great. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I've been playing a game recently called Hades, which you can get on Steam if people know about like Steam, um, which is 
like a kind of game about uh, uh, being like Hades' son and trying to get out of hell. It's really good. It's like arcade sort of thing, but it's really well done, really brilliant. Um, and and yeah, I think Andy Shelf as well. <laughs> Got to give a shout out to Andy Shelf. This album called The Party, which Bert laughs because I've been this, I've been like chaining it on loop, on loop, like whilst we were in isolation. Like Bert and Ruth were like, "What again? Again? Like what style really of music album. is it?" So it's kind of like indie sort of music, but the, the whole album is like a concept album of like all at a party. It's all set at a party, and like each song is sort of like a different aspect of a party so and it's very storytelling sort of music so like one one song is like a guy being outside with one of his mates but like saying like you know i really think we get on really well uh, uh and kind of like stumbling over his words like sort of saying he loves him but sort of not and and another one is about someone who arrives too early to a party anyway it's a bit of a, it's a great it's a great list oh that's i'm getting on it i'm on it <laughs> after this interview i'm gonna get on it man that sounds great <laughs> Well, I didn't have much time because I had a baby. So that was uh, engaging with like a lot of stuff was complicated. But there's, there's, a, there's a book that was really good that I think students might like as well. It's, um, it's, it's a book by Ocean Vuong, he's called. Um, he's a Vietnamese-American writer who writes really beautifully, very poetic, but also super accessible. I've never read anything that poetic in English before. And I thought that was, it, it blew my mind. And that's called On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. It's really beautiful, really beautiful kind of story of like him living with his mom and his uh, Vietnamese grandma dealing with like the trauma of the war but also him like falling in love and stuff like it's really very beautiful writing oh lovely I'll also add yeah. that to the list this oh, is my favourite sure. part <laughs> I have one more one more thing which is this album okay, okay so it's basically like a Japanese it's like a Japanese like ambient album I don't know if it's you can, can see that can you okay. various artists can you Anagaku, is that? Yeah, it's called, yeah. Kanyo Can you... Anagaku, Japanese ambient environmental new age music, 1980. Anyway, it's really, really amazing. Ambient sort of Japanese stuff. I'm not, I'm, yeah, it's really good stuff. We'll send, well, you, we'll send you the list. It's very oh, yeah. cool. Like, it's very cool to like chill to. And, like, I don't know. It's really, it's really, I'm not a massive like ambient like um, I don't know what the expression is but like ambient like I don't know what it is yeah. but anyway really good it's really oh yeah send it to me on whatsapp that'd be awesome I'll send it over amazing uh, what I'll do is I'll put I'll try and find links for all of those things that you've mentioned and put them under the little kind of podcasty interview things so students can access them uh, that's it uh, thank you I just want to say thanks guys for taking the time out of your rehearsal schedule the time out of your lives to to sit down with me for around an hour and chat I really appreciate it um oh, we all you. are really looking forward to seeing the end yeah, yeah spring yeah, I mean I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed and touch wood as well because with the way the world is at the moment you can't guarantee anything oh. but at the moment um we are 
we're going for it it's, it's going to happen we're going to get you in the space and we're going to get some people to watch something <laughs> in the showroom that is the aim so yeah. yeah we're looking forward to coming back and performing for the students again yeah we remember last time so it's always it's always a, real, a bit of a trip yes yeah, it's, it's <laughs> always a pleasure to be there oh magic all yeah, right team well i'll say goodbye have a lovely rest of the evening and yeah, I'll, um, I'll catch up with you both soon yeah, Thanks, Andy. Andy. Cheers, man. Take Cheers. care. Bye. See you. Bye. And that was Bert and Nazi. As always, it is a pleasure sitting down and talking with the two of them, and I'm really grateful for them giving up an hour of their time to chat with me. As mentioned at the beginning of this interview, we will have their latest project, The End, coming to the showroom in spring. So if you have enjoyed our conversation or enjoyed any of their previous work, then definitely make sure you book yourself a ticket to see that show. Uh, this will be the last little podcast slash interview for a while, but we should have some more coming up in the new year. So stay tuned. And as always, thank you so much for listening.